Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. It's a birthday week for Marty Baran, and he's already ex- exercising his right to uh, not fulfill meaningful obligations for the full 60 on every uh, hour of the show this week. Uh, we will catch up with Marty a little bit later on in the show. Thrilled to have Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic join us right off the hop here to kick off a brand new week on Sabres Live. Matthew, how are you? I'm doing well, Duffer. How are you? I'm great. It's nice. I, I think we, you know, kind of agree that we're in this little soft spot. <laughs> Maybe it's a larger soft spot <laughs> as far as news and uh, timing on the calendar. But at the same time, a month tomorrow, we ramp right up with uh, the first game of the Prospects Challenge at Harbor Center. And you have written, of course, extensively, um, not only just in and around the draft and end of season, but obviously once we get into free agency, just about how this current group of Sabres looks and, and what may or may not still happen before the season begins. Um, does your opinion ever change as you go through these quiet weeks as to think maybe Kevin Adams is going to do something bold or are you more of the mindset that uh, he's very comfortable with what he has and what's on the likely training camp roster is what we're going to see um, in September. Yeah, Duffer, I'm sure I'm like you. I'm I'm sitting out here enjoying this nice Buffalo weather, and occasionally your mind starts to wander to, hey, maybe uh, maybe they do need to do a little something more to to address Jack Quinn's injury, or, or maybe mm-hmm. they could fit another a blue liner in there uh, into the top four to to create uh, even more competition. I I tend to think that Kevin Adams probably has some of those thoughts too in these quiet moments. There's a lot of time to sit and wonder about what your roster is going to look like. I think they're pretty comfortable with what they have. Uh, I spoke to Don Granado at development camp. What stood out to me was he thought that the group that got them so over the edge this year. And I think with, the move you just have to look at their actions and what they did with the forward group bringing back a lot of the guys that they have they're so loaded with young players that's where i could see one more move just because you know maybe a little more experience would help out with jack quinn's injury but man they they really feel good about what they brought back and they like a lot of these young prospects so and they have too much already on defense so it's hard to see another major move unless uh, it's a trade, right? Because they have yeah. a lot of bodies and they might need to move somebody out to 
to make some room and make it all fit together. So that's where a big move could come. Otherwise, it feels like uh, this quiet period will continue. Do you, well, let's go down that path a little further, because you obviously did write about if they find themselves in a trade situation, here are the likely names that that would be moved out in an effort to bring something in. Um, are you surprised that Victor Olofsson is still on the roster, or are you now of the belief that maybe the coach and GM believe that it could be Olofsson that very well takes advantage of an opportunity presented by, you know, Quinn's injury here. You know, once it got through the draft, I wasn't surprised that Victor Olofsson stuck around at that point. And I think part of it is the market, right? With the the flat salary cap and the lack of movement in general around the league, that's a pretty big number that Victor Olofsson has uh, at 4.75 million cap hit. But he also is putting up goal scoring numbers that in a different environment, a different salary cap environment, I think would have gotten them a reasonable offer. But why not be patient, right? Why not sit there and say, if you're not getting the return you want, you're now in a position at forward where you've already had an injury. If you have another injury, Victor Olofsson becomes even more important. And so keeping him around, I do think there's an amount of belief that they have in him. The reason they signed him to this contract, looking at the timeline of their prospects, was that he did fit into the timeline on a two-year deal to kind of be the bridge to guys like Yuri Kulik and and Matt Savoy. So I, I think it makes sense for him to hang around unless you get the right offer. And maybe when you're a healthier roster and minutes are tougher to come by for him around the trade deadline, maybe there's there's some movement there. But I think with the cap mm-hmm. hit and the way the salary cap is, it makes sense that he's still in Buffalo because they have room for him and they probably understand his value, his strengths and weaknesses better than most other teams. You think he gets a bit of a bad rap? I do. I I mean, yeah, I I think a lot of times last year, uh, you know, you can take goal scoring like that for granted and and nitpick guys. You know, it's not easy to score that many goals. Uh, And yes, a lot of it comes on the power play. And and, you know, there there are certain, you know, situations where. Uh, you know, maybe it's at even strength, he's not super strong, or maybe his 200 foot game could be a bit better. But that goal scoring ability, that shot, it's not easy to find. Uh, you know, I think when people are making lineups in their head and they're penciling a prospect into his spot, thinking, you know, put Yuri Kulik uh, where Victor Olofsson is, you'd be thrilled if Yuri Kulik had the year that Victor Olofsson had last year, right? You'd be thrilled. You'd be, he's scoring 20 plus <laughs> right. goals. And yes, he's so much younger, but. The point being for a team in a playoff push, a a team that really wants to end that drought and is going to have those expectations, you have a more known commodity in Victor Olofsson than in some of these prospects. So I think there are times where his game is nitpicked. I think some of it's warranted, right? I think some of the details, and he acknowledged it at the end of the year that there are things that he needs to do to round out his game and be a more complete player, but uh, scoring goals like that is a useful skill in the NHL. And I do think if the salary cap across the league were a bit of a different situation, that they would have you know, gotten a lot more interest in him this offseason. So I, I do think Kevin Adams is wise to be a little bit patient there and say, you know what, you're not going to give away 
a guy who scores goals like that for nothing uh, just to create a right. roster spot when uh, you kind of could use some goal scoring punch with Jack Quinn out. Yeah, I think um, the power play connection to Victor or narrative, if you will, was more pronounced prior. And obviously last year, when for the bulk of the year, the power play was top five in the NHL. I mean, it it was not Victor Olofsson's power play. Um, obviously, like Tage scored 20 times on on the power play. <laughs> and it, it's, it's like Victor Olofsson scored 21 even strength goals. He was one of five Sabres to to be able to accomplish that um it's to me it's not all about power play anymore but the, the whole reason we're having this discussion is because victor wasn't playing every single game down the stretch and then you were in a situation where you know the coach and gm had to kind of answer that question but I, I, to me one of the more interesting off-season comments or end of season comments was when was when kevin adams talked about like they have a role also here in putting victor in a good position, you know, uh, to be able to whatever, just warrant the minutes that he typically would get on a nightly basis. So I'm, I'm, I think you can tell I'm kind of fascinated by how this is all going to go here because I would have been, it would have been less so if you hadn't been confronted with this Quinn injury. But now because of that, I feel like eh, you probably don't have to do anything right now at the, at, as it's presently constructed. Yeah. The Jack Quinn injury has really, caused my mind to go into overdrive thinking about all the different combinations they could use up front mm -hmm. and victor olofsson fits into that conversation because he is a known goal scorer and i think mm -hmm. that is going to be more valuable to them when it comes time to make these tough decisions than taking a chance maybe on an unknown commodity in a, in a young player getting thrown into his first action, especially the way they've brought some of these guys along, knowing that it's going to take a little bit of time for JJ Paterka and, and Jack Quinn to find their way. It's going to be the same approach to some of these younger players. So yeah, I, I think Casey Middlestat comes to mind when you talk about putting guys in positions, right? And they figured out after moving him around a bit and then moving him up the lineup, what he could do in the right situation with the right line mates. And maybe there's some experimenting that needs to happen with Victor Olofsson there as well. Maybe you can find the right combinations because remember when Victor Olofsson was in his roughest stretches, I think Casey Middlestat was as well the last season and they were playing together and, and having some trouble at even strength and breaking them up, moving Casey up the lineup. You saw a different side of Casey and some different skills. So could the same happen with Victor Olsen? Maybe. And and some of this is on Victor, too. And I think at the end of the season, he sure. recognized that as well, that there was a reason he was being taken out of the lineup a couple of times at the end of the year. And he has a hand in that as well. So it's definitely a fascinating storyline to follow in training camp, because how does he respond and how does the team respond? Right. What is their answer to get more out of him? And what is Victor Olofsson's answer this summer to get a little bit more out of himself. Uh, as you can imagine, and I think you hinted at, like we do pretty much talk about everything and then talk about everything again. So um, the the idea of Tage Thompson uh, not playing center all the time is not the easiest sentence for me to throw out there. Um, but like, 
you mentioned Middlestad. So obviously that created, you know, uh, an interesting look down the stretch and Tage was not at full health at the time, but um, would you ever be contemplating not having him as your one center at this point? You know, when I spoke with Don Granado at development camp and he was just bouncing that idea around it, it, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit because, you know, he brought that up on his own. And so it's a, if we think that we think about this stuff a lot, imagine Don Granado uh, being on vacation, thinking about these these line combinations and all these different questions. So he's thinking about everything. And so I, I don't necessarily read too much into the fact that he brought that up, but it's a, a tool in their toolbox. I think it's something they can go to for stretches of time out of necessity if there's an injury. And in this case, there is an injury, but it's going to be not short term for Jack Quinn. It's going to be something that they have to figure out for a few months. And do you want to risk breaking up the first line when a hot start is going to be crucial in an Eastern Conference that is going to be a dogfight from start to finish? That would be the risk in my mind. But I don't I don't hate the idea because of what Casey Middlestat looked like on that line and what he looked like at the end of the year. And if there's another level there to that player, man, that's that's really interesting. And I don't I'm also not of the belief that Tage Thompson became Tage Thompson because he was playing center. I think okay. he, he reached that level um for a variety of factors, including playing center was was definitely a part of it. I do the one concern I have is that you hide some of what makes Tage Thompson special by putting him on the wing, not having as much space and not having much as much uh, time to be creative in the middle of the ice. But it's not like he's a dominant faceoff player, right? So right. you're not necessarily missing out on anything there. And you end up with two really interesting lines if you have Thompson playing next to Dylan Cousins. That's a uh, you know, it's not something that would be my first choice, but it's an interesting wrinkle that they can throw at teams. And as Donnie mentioned when we spoke, a lot of times teams are probably looking at Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck and circling those guys on the board. If they're on two different lines, who do you throw your top pair against? You know, so that's it's kind of like what they were talking about with the the defensive pairs, right? Where they can mix and match depending on situations. And they do want everybody to be able to play to an extent with everybody. So having the flexibility is important, but when you need that hot start, it's hard not to just go to Skinner, Tuck and, and Tage because they were so good when they were at their best last year. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you're onto something there with the, the Thompson um, evolution I think it was easy for all of us to just recognize what the position change did for him. But at the same time, once you have established a confidence level in your own mind, I think there is then a freedom to play just about anywhere and recognize that you can do it. And I I think that's overlooked in our ongoing discussion of Tage and what the ceiling may be. Um, if this is the ceiling now, his ceiling is is more than adequate for this team moving forward. You know, all he has to be is even remotely close to what we saw last year, statistically speaking, and 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 this team will be fine for the entirety of uh, his seven year contract. Um, so I I am definitely willing to to look at it from that standpoint and move pieces around. Um, 
when you mentioned the blue line, though, is this something that gets truly decided in camp? Who are the most likely consistently your top six defenders? Or do you anticipate a lot of rotation throughout this year, whoever the seventh and or maybe eighth defensemen are based on the sheer numbers that they have right now? Yeah, based on the numbers they have right now, you have to make a a tough decision on somebody uh, and and get rid of, uh, you know, at least one player uh, Mm -hmm. of the group they have because they have so many guys that played in the NHL last season. But it does feel like there will be more rotation on the blue line. This all depends on health, right? Assuming everybody stays healthy, there will be more rotation on the blue line maybe than we saw last season. And I think that's a good thing. You know, I think not having to force... Ilya Labushkin to play through an injury the way he did uh, at times last season, you're going to get fresher players in your bottom six. And I think that'll improve. You're going to get more competition in your, in your bottom, you know, uh, bottom pair there so that maybe those guys play a bit better uh, than they did a season ago. And I think the fact that you can, maybe not just pencil somebody in with Owen power and switch it up depending on the night, depending on the opponent, depending on the situation within the game. I think that's a nice situation to be in. It's a, it's sort of the ideal way to look at it. Of course, there's going to be injuries and there's going to be performance that plays into this as well. I don't know that you can separate it. It all seems like it's so bunched together that it would be really hard to separate those guys over the course of a couple weeks of training camp practices right. and preseason games. Right. I think that's right. what it comes down to. And that's where maybe early in the season, you see more rotation. You see some of that start to play out in regular season games so that you get a true idea of who plays best with one another and maybe who belongs uh, in that, you know, six or seven defense that dress, uh, uh, you know, on a given night. I think it's hard. Same conversation as with the first line. It's hard to break up Rasmus Dahlin and Matias Samuelson, right? It's hard to picture doing that because they play so well together. I think the more important thing, though, is that Rasmus Dahlin, Matias Samuelson, and Owen Power don't play so so many minutes. You know, they're still going to eat up most of the minutes, but they need to be fresh throughout the course of the season. And I know they're very young, and they're more than capable of handling uh, just about any workload, but Rasmus Dahlin got banged up last year too and had to fight through some stuff. And, yeah. you know, Owen Power missed a, a couple games at, at one point, which was more of a, a freak thing, but he's going to get bumps and bruises too, playing that many minutes in that big of a role. So being able to spread that out and having uh, a couple of experienced guys to lean on instead of having to force guys up the lineup into spots that don't best suit them. I think that's what will make the blue line better. I know everybody was looking for this slam dunk top four defenseman addition in the offseason. And who knows, maybe Kevin Adams still has something up his sleeve. But you can also get better by depth because of, uh, I think Connor Clifton can play uh, in a top four role when he's needed. Eric Johnson's done it in his career. So not having, you know, being almost by committee can be an improvement over what they had last year, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic is with us here on Sabres Live. Marty Baron will join us at the uh, bottom of the hour. He's on uh, the course today. Jim Kelly's uh, Celebrity Golf Tournament is happening, so uh, Marty will check in from there. Uh, in about 15 minutes' time, Matthew, when we look at 
the importance of every game, which you referenced earlier, and the banking of points early on, it's impossible not to look at the early season schedule and see five of the first six games at home. And then immediately, some of us who have issues like this would break out in a sweat and think about the home record last year and think about the high goals against on home ice and then go back to the big question, like, why did it happen uh, on home ice? And did you have any theories as to why they were a little challenged there? And, and, and statistically, and I think most people would assume this without diving into the numbers, it really came down to goals against and penalty kill, which are typically tied together anyway. And they just, they just gave up too many goals at home. It's that simple. But did you ever dive into with Don as an aside when you were chatting with him uh, recently as to what you or he thinks as to why they struggled at home on home ice the way they did? Definitely one of the weirdest parts of last season, right? Just like this team taking this huge step forward, starting to win back, uh, you know, some attendance and some fan interest. And yet they were a different team, uh, you know, at home sometimes. They, they had some great games at home, too. They rose to the occasion in these some of these big moments, right, for Craig Anderson and after the blizzard. Uh, you know, they, they really did rise to the occasion in a lot of those big moments. So I don't think it was, you know, it, it could have been a little bit of a fluke in some regard, but I had a conversation with Alex Tuck when the, the Sabres were out in California and we were actually talking about why they'd been so good on the road because they right. were, they were on a really good streak on the road. And you know, what sort of stuff they were doing, because sometimes that can provide your answer, right? Like, instead of being like, what am I doing wrong at home? It's like, what what's going right away from home? Uh, you know, how do we feel away from home that that is making us play well? And so what Alex Tuck brought up, and I think it's a, a theory that's been, you know, bounced around the locker room a little bit is that maybe they felt that pressure of getting the fans back, right? Because there was a big emphasis on that, this mm -hmm. idea that, they needed to earn back the support uh, and they needed to they needed to play well enough to get the building full. And once the building was full, the pressure was on them to play well, to keep it full. Uh -huh. And I think they probably thought a little bit too much about that. And, and that's what Alex Tuck thought, is that maybe they put a little too much pressure on themselves in that regard instead of just playing. And when they were on the road, you can easily adopt the the you against the world mentality and you're you know this this underdog upstart team but at home there's a little more pressure in that regard yeah i think some of that'll go away naturally i, yeah. I don't know how you feel but i feel like these guys are all going to be a year older a year more experienced and i don't think i think they're going to be so focused on their goal as a team of making the playoffs that it'll be like join us if you want right like come to the game like we're doing this and yeah. I, I think there's going to be a different maturity just the age on the roster might be younger i'm not sure when when yeah. everything plays out in training camp but the games of experience will be a lot more and having gone through last year i think they'll be better for it when it comes to whether the attendance is perfect or whether you know i think yeah. they're just going to be able to go out and play a little bit more because they're going to recognize the stakes are a little bit higher maybe than they were this time 12 months ago. 
Yeah, well, they liked being one of the younger teams uh, average age-wise. So clearly the only reason Eric Johnson was brought in was to minimize the loss of the 40-something Craig Anderson, right? So you wanted to you wanted to keep that balance as far as age is concerned on the roster. But I'm with you. I think there will be a natural evolution. But the, the hard numbers are, in fact, hard numbers to digest. And that is the fact they were basically the same offensively home and away. But on home ice, they were 3.98 goals against, which is stunning. That's a high number. And they were 3.27 on the road. And 3.27 is probably going to be good enough or close to good enough, you know, to get you in based on how talented they are. And, you know, I mean, there were teams like Nashville last year. They were 2.88 and didn't make the playoffs. Calgary was just behind them, didn't make the playoffs. So, so the flip side of that coin is like, we know why those teams didn't make it. They're not good enough offensively. The Sabres have the offense here. You can be like the Panthers and, you know, get into the mix without being full of Vesna candidates. So um, I'm fascinated to see how it goes, which, of course, leads us to probably our final question. <laughs> Are you surprised they're still sitting here with three goaltenders? Yeah, you know, that was a really interesting situation to follow from the beginning of the offseason is, you know, do you go and make a big splash because you think that's the missing piece, which you could make that argument, right? The numbers you just mentioned, uh, a little bit better goaltending maybe gets, you know, closes the gap on those numbers. To me, it shows a ton of faith in Devin Levi, which does not surprise. It would have surprised me, say, six months ago, but it doesn't surprise me now after he came in and played the way that he did in those seven games. And then just listening to Kevin Adams talk about him, right? You know, and I mean, even seeing the way he looks at him, you know, he just has this, uh, he has an incredible amount of faith in this kid. Mm -hmm. And I can't blame him after the way that he played. My thought when he signed was he could probably use some time in Rochester, right? Because most goalies do. And then he looked ready for it. And Kevin Adams mentioned that he doesn't think you need to follow, uh, you know, a certain timeline, that every player is different and that, uh, look, Devin Levi has shown that he's different in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he's he's definitely unique in the way he thinks about the game, the way he approaches the position. And so, yeah, there's a bit of faith there, but I'm also probably a little bit higher on Uko Pekalukinen and Eric Comrie, uh, you know, than a lot of people were coming out of last season because. You know, UPL was playing in his first full NHL season, and I thought he had some really strong moments. Uh, you know, obviously consistency was an issue, but again, first full NHL season, I don't think that should be a surprise. Eric Comrie, I know he has not proven it in the NHL as, you know, with a big workload, but he had also some great moments early in the season before injuries started to take their toll. And I think what Kevin Adams and Don Granado are probably banking on more than anything is that if they can get better play on the blue line, but also better play top to bottom, you know, from the whole group defensively, better details, uh, particularly on home ice, particularly on the penalty kill, that some of those numbers will start to even out from a goaltending standpoint. And the reason I don't mind carrying three into training camp, figuring out Look, you're going to have an unproven tandem regardless of which two you go with. Yeah. I don't mind it because at the deadline, you can probably address it if it doesn't go well. Last okay. year, the goaltending was not a strength and they were still in the mix. Mm -hmm. 
at the end of the season because they were so good offensively. If they're a little bit better defensively and the goaltending is still a bit of a problem, the trade deadline could bring you a short-term fix. So I don't, you look at the way goaltending goes every year across the NHL, you have a, a, a couple of surefire studs, and then you have a lot of teams that are kind of guessing and hoping and trying to, you know, piece things together. It won the Golden Knights of Stanley Cup going about it that way, frankly. And uh, is that to say that you should not, you know, try to upgrade when you can? No, but you have two young, promising goalies. And I think there are some teams that would want a guy like Uko Pekalukkanen, uh, you know, as their backup. So the fa- the only thing that makes it tricky is you have Uko Pekalukkanen as your backup or as your 1B to potentially Devin Levi's 1A, and he's even less experienced. So yeah. uh, it's certainly a bit of a roll of the dice, but the way Levi played down the stretch, uh, I think, is really encouraging. And you would hope, kind of like that Victor Olofsson conversation, you would hope that makes Lukanen go into the offseason and say, all right, I, I need to come back even better because I'm not letting this guy take my job. So then you have Eric Comrie, who's just been counted out his whole career. So that yeah. competition could bring out the best. But like I said, if you need to break glass in case of emergency, you can. It's not too late to make a trade. Right. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and it, it isn't until February or March. So there are still options. And you'd hope that as long as the offense is still as good as it was, uh, you can outscore some of the some of the problems at times. Matthew, thank you for joining us. Uh, first timer here on Sabres Live and uh, couldn't be happier to have you on. And uh, we'll do it again down the road. Thanks for having me. I'll see you at the rink soon. Sounds good. Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic with us. And of course, speaking of the rink, we want you in attendance at Key Bank Center this year. Quarter plans, season quarter plans are available right now. Uh, 11 game plans. You can choose the one that suits you best. Weekend plan, weekday plan, all-star plan, all of them available. Sabres.com slash tickets. As we roll on here on a Monday edition of Sabres Live, the almost birthday boy, Marty Baron, joins us next. Stay with us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.